Hey yo, this is Kanika, and you're listening to Ruckus Avenue Radio, the world's largest South Asian radio station. If you're ever looking for an example of someone in the South Asian community bringing their entrepreneurial spirit and energy to help spark initiatives, policy, and civic engagement, then look no further than my next guest, Dilawar Sayed. A proud Muslim American and Pakistani immigrant, Dilawar is the CEO of Lumiara, a healthcare data analytic company. He's also an inspiring beacon of civic engagement as an organizer, campaign surrogate, and policy advisor, serving in 2010 on President Obama's Advisory Commission on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, and on the Biden-Harris campaign's Small Business Advisory Council. Dilawar is the co-founder of the Asian American Pacific Islander Victory Fund, a political action committee that has galvanized the AAPI community with representation and coalition building. I was thrilled to catch up with him this past fall and share a conversation about the imperative of civic engagement, reflecting on the pathways behind and ahead of us, and comparing the emotional outcome of this past presidential election with how he felt in 2008. Was the weight of this moment when the election results finally um, came in, was that different from when President Obama was elected? Can you share maybe some of your reflections on some of the differences? Well, I think... um they were both different in, in some fundamental ways. Um, I frankly, I saw this election was way more than an election. This, this election and its results were, do we get to recover from what has been, quite frankly, an attack on democracy, on our system, on our society, our standing in the world? And I don't mean that in any grandstanding words. This sure. is reality. And as Joe Biden often said, uh, do we get to restore the soul of this country? What brought um, myself and many of you know, our immigrants in our communities to this country, do we get to preserve that, build upon it or not? That's what this day was about. That's what this election was about. It was not about just another presidential election. So yes, we were bracing for results with that sense of anticipation. Do we get to build? Do we get to repair? Because if you had another four years of number 45, I think this country would cease to exist as we've known it, period. Mm-hmm. It already is going to take some time to rebuild, and it's not going to be necessarily an easy task, not to mention the pandemic. Uh, now, the Barack Obama candidacy in that election was just historic in a whole different world. Um, I still, when I talk, when I think about that night Hyde Park in Chicago, back then, you know, we were in person. I actually flew there right. um, when he came to speak and gave his victory speech. I still have, um, I still get chills in my body to see the nation's first African-American president walking on the stage with the weight of history. And we frankly believed we had moved to a different point in our mm-hmm. nationhood. Um, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about our identities and our citizenship. I have to tell you, after hearing President Barack Obama speak that night, as I was walking back, and it was an incredibly beautiful night in Chicago, um, I had this almost a religious experience, for lack of a better term, hmm. where I felt that I was, I, w- I was embracing my citizenship in the deepest uh, manner. Because that moment, that election had brought this country together in a way that I don't think anybody could have imagined. Having an a- African-American elected with the name of Barack Hussein Obama. And everybody, including at the time, you know, Senator McCain, giving the most um, heartwarming concession. Um, 
So very different elections. Obviously, this was, as I mentioned, was 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 very important. It was consequential to our nation's existence as we know it. And that election was truly an election, which uh, which gave us hope that we can do better, and and we have done better. Great question, and uh, very different, uh, obviously, elections. But uh, I'm glad yeah. where we are today. Well, I mean, if that was a um, real religious moment of citizenship, if you will, when President Obama was elected. Was this election and the results kind of the reclaiming of that citizenship? Did it feel like the, the stamp or the advocacy now uh, and that work feels a little bit different um, to, as you mentioned, reclaiming some of the uh, losses or, or re rejuvenating um, some of the spirit and energy that was there over those years? And, and does Vice President Harris's meaningful uh, addition to that uh, also means something different this time? Uh, so the first part of the question, I mean, it's incredible if you look at we were in the middle of pandemic and almost 150 million people voted. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you take away the headlines and, and the narrative from the White House, it is. it should be heartwarming. It should be inspiring, not just for this country, but for democracies all over the world, that democracy works. Yeah. People voted. People found a way to vote. Despite the disinformation, despite some seriously logistical challenges um, in, in, in the entire country, um, the, one of the biggest redeeming uh, aspects is that the role this community played, by the way, in getting the vote out. The Asian Americans community as a whole is, is, was, was the margin of victory in many states. You look at Georgia, look at Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we, we almost thought we might win Texas. I, there, this community, South Asian community, AAPI community, you know, made the difference. And now we know we'll continue to make the difference. So absolutely, I think it, it affirms that, but also affirmed democracy. It affirms that, you know, we all may have had different experiences as, as stakeholders in, in this democracy, but we all delivered. And it felt very proud. It felt very... Um, gratifying yeah. um but at the same time there's a bit of nervousness to make sure uh, to my earlier point <laughs> that we have built on this um with respect to vice president-elect um Kamala harris who i've had the privilege of knowing um since she was uh you know in san francisco as an official and ran for attorney general of california um clearly it's historic and it's historic not just for south asian Americans. it's historic for african americans it's historic for women um for all uh black and brown girls and boys, right? And so I think it, it, it feels awesome that we we had that aspect of history. And if you see the way she has uh, been part of this campaign, she's brought her diversity in. At the same time, she has, I think, energized a lot of people of all backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Um, and I, by the way, since I have, I have had the pleasure to know her, um, I also think she is not only obviously competent, but she is, she's got some serious convictions and passions about, you know, when it comes to justice and you know, lifting people forward. And you will see her when she's part of governing um, that, you know, we have uh, an, an excellent leader at, at the highest point in this country. You know, and on that same note, as an entrepreneur being so civically engaged, and for those who've actually over the last four years, eight years, 12 years, become more and more civically engaged, especially in the AAPI community. 
you know, it's, it's one thing if you are already civically engaged that you, this is part of your consciousness, but if you're not, then um, this is a conversation that, that may be happening without you. And so what have you learned over these years um, as a person of color, as an entrepreneur, as an AAPI individual in becoming more and more civic in, civically engaged? What kinds of lessons are there for more in our community to actually become that much more civically engaged? Why is that so important? Well, you know, it's a, it's a great question, and I'm so glad you asked that question. It's, it's one of my uh, passions is to make sure people understand this is not something you can outsource to a section of society, to the activist community, to the nonprofit leaders, to elected politicians. When we say civically engage, it, it's about us. It's about yourself. It's about your children. It's about my children. It's, it's about our neighborhoods. It's about our community. It's about our school. It's about, uh, it's about opportunity. It's about our health. And man, in this election, it was about lives and deaths. So the, the, the notion of civicness almost implies that there is something out there that I'm a part of. No, it's about us. In a participatory democracy, which is as diverse as we are, and as complex as we are um, at so many levels, right? Um, and you've seen this election, right? We've seen over the last uh, a, decade, a decade or so, the, there is a bit of a division in the country as well. There is no other path but for us to be involved. And there are many different forms of civic involvement. It doesn't mean that you just have to run for an office. I mean, obviously, uh, that'd be awesome to see more people um, you know, from our communities should run for office, but being involved in the process overall, being involved with, you know, organizations or initiatives that are beyond your day job. Um, as you know, you mentioned, I'm a tech entrepreneur. I, that's what I do. Actually, believe it or not, most of my bandwidth is consumed by my work. I, I'm CEO of Lumiara, and it's a you know growth um, healthcare AI company, and it's it's a lot of fun building this organization. Uh, but I often uh, tell myself and remind my colleagues in the community of entrepreneurs as well that we must have passions outside our day lives, our business lives, our medical professions, if you will, in your case. Yeah. Um, one, not only that's important, but it also honestly makes us whole. It gives us more perspective. Um, my civic involvement has made me a better business leader. It has made me a more empathetic CEO. Um, it has given me a perspective on, on all sorts of challenges that I, I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis in business. So I just see, um, especially at this moment in the history, given, frankly, in the last four years, how much was at stake, that people from all backgrounds, from all walks of life, had to play a role. And by the way, we saw that. We, and this is what the, this is the, this is the, an inspirational part of the last few years. Mm. The, um, if you look at the energy in the country, how many people came out on streets? Literally that day after, or the weekend after Donald Trump got elected, Women's March, all the way to folks who came out of airports when the Muslim ban was announced, including Google co-founders and saying, this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. This country got energized. You know, when you see this largest turnout in our history in almost 100 years, and, you know, and in a historic election and, and going back to uh, what we need to do as a country, the ingredients for that was, were being built up over the last four years. Mm -hmm. There was an incredible amount of activism, for lack of a better term, from people from pretty much all backgrounds um, and professional uh, affinities as well. So, uh, you know, long answer to your question, but I certainly think that we have no choice uh, but to partake because it's about us. But see, you, you find it as an entrepreneur, as an immigrant, 
uh, as an imperative, right? There's a, there's no better way to apply your own personal duty as a citizen in a democracy than voting. That that's the ultimate representation you have. You're representing yourself. And yet there's a tendency sometimes for some immigrants to, in fact, retreat, right? To fall back into your kind of tribe and, and your, those who are like-minded with you, they may speak the same language or, or have the same religion. And, you know, a, a lot of that sometimes we see in, in those who perhaps are not this, uh, civically engaged in the same circles. I mean, is there something wrong with that? Did you ever feel like that as an immigrant, even before perhaps you became more and more civically engaged? I mean, sometimes I, I wonder if there is more of a pathway towards le of least resistance towards that kind of a, a situation. Well, I think um, one of the beauties of this country is the, you know, our richness and our diversity. And I think as much as there is comfort in affinity and there is comfort in people that you know who happen to share your language or the food you ate, you and I were talking about, you know, our own South Asian culture, and I'm sure we could talk about all the things that we love. Uh, but Project America is unique in its in its formation that you literally have pretty much the entire spectrum of human ethnicities and diversity gathered here. I think that's beautiful. I think that's rich. I honestly think it's a, we shortchange ourselves as people, mm -hmm. uh, as communities, when we do not engage with people who are not like you and me. And by the way, that diversity is not just in the form of ethnicity, also in the form of like, you know, um, our way of thinking you know and 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 other forms of sort of uh, differences um so i actually think that we i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with people if you were being tribal to use the term you used yeah. um, but I, I think it's an opportunity lost yeah. to not get to know others to not get to know your neighbors uh whose children are you know using the same playground as you but they're speaking a different language and not understand and get those perspectives um and when it comes to by the way political participation not form coalitions mm -hmm. one of the reasons that i have been privileged enough to be able to make a difference in my civic career is because from the very get-go i believe in coalitions you know, let's face it, South Asian Americans, or for that matter, AAPIs in themselves cannot, are not big enough in numbers sure. to be able to have the desired impact that, you know, we want. You have to form coalition. And the way you form coalitions is on values that are shared. It was a, it was a challenge all through many years. And that's one of the reasons we founded AAPI Victory Fund to drive voter turnout, to get people to register to vote. I often say that many folks in the South Asian American community followed politics more in India and Pakistan than they understood what was happening to their school board in their yeah. communities where their children are going to school. Right in your backyard. They understood less about what healthcare reform means, you know, what uh, Affordable Care Act, how it changed their lives and so forth. So, sure. you know, clearly we can do better. But in this election, we showed that, you know, we stepped up. Um, um, forming those collisions and getting more involved. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Dilawar Sayed. Stay tuned. Yo, this is Prabdeep. 
from New Delhi, India, and you're listening to Drakas Avenue Radio. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, and my conversation with Dilawar Sayed. You mentioned the um, AAPI uh, Victory Fund, and, and certainly, you know, bringing uh, folks to the finish line, if you will, as a super PAC. What does the ongoing work now, when it comes to representation and governance, really look like? Well, as you said, I mean, you're absolutely correct. Our work is only only beginning. You know, I mentioned earlier that this is about rebuilding, building back better, um, to use the campaign slogan. But that's that's reality, and it's going to require not just not just the not just the White House and the new administration and people who will be serving, but it's also going to require um, um, organization, allied groups ecosystem, stakeholders all over the country, including API Victory Fund. So we hope to work with the administration to make sure that the agenda that we signed up for, we were one of the earliest organizations that supported and endorsed Vice President, now President-elect Biden, um, back you know, before most organizations um, were able to do so. And it's about equity. It's about you know, access to healthcare. It's about climate change. It's about making sure that you know, we have um, all our communities benefit from economic growth. And not only we will be, um, you know, helping the president-elect govern and making sure we become, if you will, a partner um, throughout this community, but also at times hold their feet to fire. Yeah. See, we are democracy. At the end of the day, and I often tell folks, uh, as much as I am a supporter of Vice President, sorry, President-elect Biden, I have to keep, I have to get used to this. Right. Uh, uh, the, the reality is, it, it, what we do is communities work. Yeah. What should the community-based conversations and discussions look like when it comes to developing now this foundation of economic recovery and in some ways kind of rebuilding confidence in, in our communities and in our neighborhoods? So I think one of the areas, and there's many aspects to the economic policy, one of the areas that I, where I spend a lot of time in the campaign, and I serve in the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Advisory Council for, for President Lex's campaign, is small business ownership and entrepreneurship. And many, our communities actually are disproportionately communities of business owners, um, whether these are medical professionals like yourself who may have their own clinics, or you have people who own a convenience store or you know, run a small company or are tech entrepreneurs or for that matter, non-tech entrepreneurs. And we, we, we've seen that in this pandemic, unfortunately, that is these, these entrepreneurs and these small businesses have been, you know, have had a very, very challenging time. We all, we are all very aware of it. Um, so there is a renewed focus on how do we make sure that we help them recover, you know, through obviously additional access to capital, for instance, one of the policies that we'll be rolling out, you know, once we have the administration uh, in charge is a significantly larger pool of money that is going to be dedicated for black and brown entrepreneurs, um, you know, to start their businesses, $150 billion worth of access to capital will be will be channeled through the SBA and other government agencies. And that is targeted for minority communities, people of color, African-Americans, as well as API groups and others. Um, so, you know, there are those kind of examples where I think our community uh, will have, um, it will have an immediate impact on their, um, on their livelihoods. You know, one of the things that I'm so fascinated by is that for those who actually are small business owners, tech entrepreneurs, um, you know, we we can do so much with the click of a button um, that, in fact, 
doesn't necessarily does doesn't necessitate having to develop more of those empathetic relationships. And and I'm so curious. I mean, you lead a company that applies data science so um, you know well through uh, AI and and other tools. Um, this latest campaign was literally a, a, a digital monster in terms of um, how people were reached as far as messaging and, and that kind of thing, um, fundraising, et cetera. So, so given the backdrop of this pandemic culture that we live in, especially here in California, how will we continue to develop meaningful human relationships when it comes to navigating um, through business or politics and, and kind of in our own social consciousness um, in kind of a machine learning data-driven world? Well, um, first of all, I can't wait for us to meet in person. <laughs> I don't think I'll be, I don't, maybe just me, I don't think there's anything that substitutes for that in-person interaction. Sure. Before the campaign being pretty much all virtual, that's phenomenal. But look, I have met the president-elect in person. Um, one reason that I am such a believer in his leadership is because I personally experienced that empathy. Um, you know, I saw him reacting to things that I said, and I saw that emotion in his eyes. How do you replace that in a Zoom call? I don't think, I don't think this is the world we're gonna, we're gonna forever rely upon. Now, obviously, it is very true that we have seen that you can be a lot more efficient and productive in many ways. You know, yeah. my entire company is right now um, all remote and distributed, and a big part of us probably will remain all remote. And those of us who had long commutes, you know what, I'm happy for them that they can, they don't have to make those two hours commute each way. So I think there is, there is clearly going to be some benefit. Um, so I, I, I still uh, think that we will need to have a hybrid situation where we do invest in in-person connections. Um, and, and I just don't think, frankly, um, some of the digital will necessarily uh, substitute for that. I hope we get a chance to meet in person and, and have this conversation, but, but I, I am curious to see how this evolves, particularly um, from the relationships we develop in, in these conversations surrounding economics and politics and, and entrepreneurship. Well, there is, uh, if I may just add one thing, there was one, some benefits in this campaign. For example, we had invested in a lot more data as a, as a, as a party, and we were able to run targeted campaigns, if you will, yeah. you know, uh, for uh, APIs for South Asian Americans in part because of all the data we're generating and we were able to reach so many more people. And I think that that, that part will, is here to stay. Yeah. Um, and, but you have to leverage that and, and complement that with the in-person um, you know, uh, connections to make sure that we are building on that. But, but absolutely, the, the, there is an incredible opportunity to leverage data. I mean, just by the way, in the, in the, in the field that you and I are in, healthcare, yeah. uh, I'm a, there as a tech entrepreneur, you right. are a professional. You know, when you look at that, almost more than half the physicians have conducted virtual visits. We have now, we have grown the healthcare data by you know, but significantly much more, right? And for us as a data science company at Lumiara, it's an incredible opportunity to leverage that data to have a lot more engaged, uh, you know, patient experiences and so forth. So that is, a, that is an opportunity. Yeah. But I would still like to know who my doctor is. Yeah. You, know, he, you know, he or she can uh, be empathetic about my care. Uh, but, but you're right, there is an opportunity for us to leverage the data and be more productive yeah. and more efficient. Um, I want to ask you a, a slightly different question. Your roots are in Pakistan, and you're a proud Muslim American. 
um, what kind of real uh, rebuilding or you know disentanglement now needs to happen after the last four years or, or even in the roads leading to these last four years um, so that uh, there can be a restoration of pride and and real um, uh, you know engagement uh, among these communities so you know I'm an eternal optimist uh, in part because I'm an entrepreneur I actually think that as challenging uh, and as difficult these years were and in some respects since 9/11 there has been uh, obviously a wave of bias and prejudice against um, you know not just Muslim Americans but South Asians in general Sikh Americans so many unfortunately have lost their lives um, because of hateful uh, necessarily experience. Um, but I, but I feel that the last few years, especially in the Trump's presidency, um, energized people and, and, it, and it sort of drew lines of, you know, what are your values? What do you yeah. what do you stand for? One of the one of the major campaigns in Iran um, before this campaign started was in 2016, right after the Muslim ban was announced. I actually led a charge in the tech community to sign a statement of beliefs. Uh, where the tech entrepreneurs, 140 tech entrepreneurs and venture capitalists signed a statement saying, this is unacceptable. We will never be party to discriminating against anyone uh, because of their background faith. To see business people using their business titles, coming out and saying, these are my values. This is what I stand by. I'm going to protect my people. I'm going to protect my talent. That is incredible. I actually think we are more aware we're more self-aware as business people, as leaders, as community leaders about protecting our rights. And we have come out on the right side of history for most part, most of us. And those, by the way, who chose not to, there's also reckoning there that's happening. Yeah. And this election was one such huge reckoning. You know, a, a good portion of the country voted for President Trump, now soon to be ex-President Trump. And the, the animus behind those voters, perhaps, um, is, is what, per, what perhaps created that kind of tone. So, you know, I hope that the work is evolving and the optimism behind what you're saying is, is terrific. Um, you know, uh, how, how, what are the maybe mechanisms uh, of how to create that uh, spirit or, or make that optimism a reality? Look, I mean, absolutely. So I, I don't think, um, you know, the number of people who voted the 70 million or so for for President Trump weren't necessarily single issue voters. Yeah. Um, I think it's up to us as people, all of us, right? Um, and the administration and um, and the also, you know, uh, our party to engage with folks and understand, you know, what are what are the reasons that folks felt um, that they had to vote uh, for President Trump. Um, and there is a, and we can have another episode on that. Right. Uh, but, but, I, but I don't think, I, I do think there is a, the vast majority, vast, vast majority of this country, regardless of who they voted for, what their party affiliation is, um, is are believers in universal values of, of respect and of um, fairness. Um, and we should not jump to conclusion just because a big portion of the country voted for President Trump that for somehow they believe in his, um, you know, hateful agenda, yeah. which is unleashed. We know this is, this is a long, long arc. Yeah. And we're going to have to go through, and we should be more humble about having gone through this 
interesting cycles in the last um, few years that we have to be vigilant. We have to stay involved. We have to stay engaged. And that's one of the reasons I'm a big champion for all of us playing our role, regardless of what we do on a daily basis, regardless of how affluent or how you know um, comfortable we may be and many in our communities are, is that you do your part because the work is never done. And if there's one thing that we have learned in the last few years, it comes home. Yeah. Elections have consequences, mm-hmm. not for some distant policy that you cannot touch on, but rather they have consequences about whether you get to see your grandparents if they happen to be from a certain country, right. whether you get to live or die if you're in a public health crisis. You know, these are very fundamental issues. And I think we're seeing a wave of you know, engagement. Um, and I just suddenly hope that we continue to build upon this. But you're absolutely right. The work is starting and it has to happen. Dilawar, uh, I, I could probably talk to you for at least another half hour of, the, of another episode, but um, I'm so grateful that you came on. Your optimism is infectious and your energy is really wonderful. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much Abby, for having me. And I enjoyed the concert as well. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, keep the dialogue going. What's up, everyone? This is DJ Sands, and you can check out RuckusAvenueRadio.com for more information and for all the latest on our station programs.